1: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com weightloss. Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, or DBT, is a type of cognitive behavioral therapy created by psychologist Marsha Lenahan in the early 80s. It's an evidence-based highly successful type of therapy used to help people regulate intense emotions and improve their relationships. So what does that have to do with problem solving? Well, in all its brilliance, DBT outlines four ways to solve any problem. And I've been using this strategy with great success with all of my clients for many, many years now. These four ways to solve any problem are easy to learn and integrate so you can start meeting challenges with clarity and calm today. All right, let's get to it. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf. You can just call me Abby. Thank you for all of the recent write-ins and beautiful emails I've been getting from you. I love them all. I read them all. It takes me a minute sometimes, but I do get to them and I generally respond unless it's something I think I can't respond to. Um, I just got back from Vegas and I was speaking in Vegas and there was a cyber attack going on. It was all very exciting. <laughs> it didn't really affect me a lot, you know, because I don't gamble and do some of the stuff that gets affected a lot. But um, wow, it was quite the haps. Anyway, I'm a little tan if you're watching me on YouTube. And thank you if you're watching on YouTube. We are over 10,000 subscribers, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Again, if everyone who listened to the podcast was subscribing to my YouTube channel, we'd have obviously hundreds of thousands of people. So, hey, come on over. You could see me in person, chatting away, whatever. Uh, I'd (laughs) I'd love for you to subscribe and like. And uh, please write a review for the podcast if you haven't yet. I ask all the time. Yes, I do. Because you and I are in a relationship. See, I'm giving. I do all this work. And because I love you and I want you to have a better life. And in a relationship, I'm allowed to ask for things. And this is something I ask for uh to you know subscribe to like to follow to send the podcast to someone you think it would help or the blog or something to spread the word we are creating world peace one relationship at a time let's you know be part of it with me it's uh it's a it's a grand way to be in the world all right and for anybody who you know occasionally i get um comments and people writing in or commenting on things oh i go on too long or i go off on tangents and stuff you know just get to the point that's not how I do the podcast. So if that's what you're looking for, please don't complain to me. I, I I if you realized how unbelievably entitled it sounds that you're listening to something completely free that I don't even have Ads for you don't have to sit through ads and you're bitching and moaning because you don't like how I do it. Are you fucking kidding me? Go somewhere else. I say with so much love, like I am not the person for you. I'm not. This isn't a good match. This is how I do it. This is my sixth season. It's over 250 episodes of love, of consistency, of clarity, of amazing research based information for you to change your life. Frankly, if you have something bad to say, I don't really want to hear it. If you have something supportive, like, hey, I'd like to hear about this topic or that topic or whatever, happy to hear it. But, you know, there's lots of people who love when I go off on a tangent or the rabbit hole. You know, there's people who don't. I can't please everyone. Obviously, at this point, I can only do my best work. And this is it. So... If you're here with that love for me and I have love for you for all of our imperfections or all of the ways that we don't necessarily meet each other's needs 100%, then there you go. So uh, (laughs) I hope that was clear. All right. So let's get to it. I am very excited about today's podcast because I've also had people who wrote in asking about radical acceptance. And that's part of what I'm going to talk about today and actually part of what I'm going to go a little deeper on than the other problem solving techniques that I'm going to cover. So um st- stay tuned as we get we get deep and go in all right so i just want to give a little background on dbt so you can understand kind of where it comes from and why these techniques are so effective and i really think marsha lenahan is a true hero in the field of psychology <laughs> unbelievable woman unbelievable history um but she is the creator of dbt dialectical behavioral therapy uh and i i i don't don't quote me on everything but i've read all her stuff and her books and i've heard her talk and there and there is some crazy history she has she's like one of six kids or something born here in the us and she was diagnosed with schizophrenia as a as a teen i think as a kid or a teen and you know, was sent to an inpatient treatment in those days. Uh, I think she was born in the forties, I want to say. So, you know, getting sent in the fifties or maybe sixties to, uh, inpatient treatment wasn't, you know, electroconvulsive therapy and things like that, you know, wasn't what is today. Um, so, but I think what ha, you know, she's really someone who brings a special understanding and empathy to the work and i wonder i really do if that i think some of us who are um the most effective in different ways and i do not put myself in her category do, you know i do not have delusions of grandeur but um i think those of us who have had particular amounts of pain and who have done the work to get through it you know aren't just sitting here as bleeding painful sores you know trying to help others i i think there's a special something we bring and and i think she really brings it so she, she graduated from Loyola, uh, Loyola University in Chicago, great university. I mean, brilliant with her PhD, you know, to even have that background and come out like that. Incredible. And if you've ever watched, um, a video, there's many videos on YouTube of her explaining DBT and, you know, different things. You'll see, she's just so amazing and likable and brilliant and all the things, um, so, her work initially was with highly suicidal people, especially women. And I'll just make a long story short here many of those people who were highly suicidal. Also had borderline personality disorder, which we didn't really even know what that was then. Or I don't even know if we had the diagnosis. I'm sure we had the diagnosis by the 50s or the 60s, I mean, or 70s. But um, you know, the late 70s, early 80s is really when the psychology field kind of exploded in a new way, and we started to really get better at what we were doing. And she was right in that time, you know, she was right in there. And so that's why DBT is so successful with. BPD borderline personality disorder. It's, it, but it's also successful with depression and anxiety and all kinds of things because it's, um, it it's it again. It's it was really tried on the hardest of people and then there was a lot of trial and error process, obviously, but then um, uh, uh, normed and used with people who have lesser issues, right, than being highly suicidal. So uh, incredible. And, you know, the core components as she describes it really are being solution-based while also focusing on, on really validating people for their feelings. But as you might know, just validating someone doesn't necessarily change anything. It's helpful to feel like, to to see, to know that someone can see what you're feeling but on its own it doesn't generally get the job done especially if you have something a little more severe uh severe so ultimately she created dbt which is comprised of four different modules of skills training and those different modules are uh mindfulness distress tolerance uh, interpersonal effectiveness and emotional regulation and again, the whole idea is that people who work on those skills will be better able to manage their thoughts, their emotions, you know, of course, and their actions, okay? So that's like the big picture of that. Within those four DBT modules, she has this four-option system for handling any problem, for handling any challenge that might come your way, okay? Okay. So, and those four things are solving the problem. That's one option you have. So I'm here, I'm talking about it. These are the four ways to solve any problem and I'll go into detail in a minute. You can solve the problem is one. Two is you can find ways to feel better about the problem. Three is you can learn to accept the problem. That's where we'll talk about radical acceptance. Or four, people hate this option. You can stay miserable. But those are your only four. So, but let me, let me, let's go there. Let's go into it. So I, again, over the many years of my practice, I have been employing these four options with clients and I will tell you they always work. They really, really, really do. I am probably best known for being solution-based or choice one, solving the problem. That is definitely, but I employ, and I'm sure as you hear these four today, you're going to, and if you've been listening to me for a while, you're going to go, oh, (laughs) she's been sneaking this in here everywhere, right? Because I have, because again. I, I love things that are researched, that are evidence-based. You know me; I love that. And and again, things that have actually been working with my clients for many, for decades now. So when I have that combination of the good research showing that it works with many, many people, not just my people, and then I apply it to my people and it does work, and then I apply it to my own life and it works, I, you know, I can come here very comfortably and say to you, here are great things to try. All right. So let's start with choice number one. So four choices, choice number one, solving the problem. And okay, and I know that seems obvious, right? Well, if you have a problem, one of the choices is to solve it. But I have to tell you, for many people, they'll spin their wheels and feel overwhelmed with something so they really can't figure out how to solve it. And that's likely why I have a waiting list, generally for people to come see me. So I've talked about this piece a lot, but I'm going to just briefly say it here. And I will, as I always do, I will link in the show notes. I will also link on the Relationship Tips and Tools page, which is a blog post about, right, all the things I'm talking about today, any of the, um, Episodes you can go listen to, you know, any of the books you need to read, any of that will all be linked there. But uh, I have a episode way back in season one called Your Lizard Brain is Keeping You Stuck. And I've talked about this brain stuff a lot. But basically, when you're really upset about a problem and you're really anxious about it, your amygdala is lit up, this part of your brain that's the fear portion of your brain, okay? And there, you know, your limbic system, your hypothalamus, your limb, your amygdala, right? All, All the goodies. Are all lit up like a Christmas tree, and what's happening is where your problem solving lives, where your rational brain lives, your long term thinking, your you know all the good stuff. That's in your prefrontal cortex, and when your amygdala is lit up, when you are anxious, and that part of your brain, the fear part, is lit up, you cannot access the thinking part of your brain. So that happens a lot. I I mean, really, if I just had a penny for every client who's ever said to me. I can't, you know, as we're talking in therapy session they they're like, "Oh, why didn't I think of that?" Or, "Oh, oh, that seems obvious." And they're wondering why they couldn't think it. If I had a penny for every time, I would literally be a, a probably a billionaire by now. It but I I don't want you to beat yourself up when that happens. And you've said it too. You're listening right now going, oh, I've said that, (laughs) where something seems so... Even for yourself, later when you've calmed yourself down, maybe you're in the shower and some because you're calm and some idea floats in your head and you're like, oh, there it is. Why wasn't that obvious yesterday when I was yelling at my mother? Well, because your amygdala was lit up and you couldn't access the part of your brain that helps you think rationally, that helps you problem solve, that helps you figure things out. So believe it or not, when you are actually just thinking you know rationally about a problem you can often often solve it it's but remember dbt and all these things were created because people were in strong emotion and they couldn't kind of think past the amygdala into the prefrontal cortex so there might be times where you can't choose this option because you um y- you're too caught up right you're too full in your brain. Maybe you're having some emotional flooding or something else. So, but let's say you can't, like, let's say you say to yourself, okay, let's calm down. You take some deep mindful breaths. Maybe you do a little meditation. Maybe you talk to your therapist, whatever it is. And there are many ways to solve, you know, when we say, you know, choice number one is to solve the problem. There's a lot of ways to solve a problem, but there's basically kind of uh, four steps to solving any problem, no matter who you listen to or watch or whatever. And uh, there there and that that the first step is generally to identify the problem right you gotta identify or define the actual problem, and I can't again tell you how many people are often able to quickly jump to a clear solution just by being clear what the actual problem is because again, when you're spinning, let's say you're spinning because you're miserable at work right you've got a boss who's demanding, or, you know, you don't have enough hours in the day to get all your work done, or, you know, you feel like everyone's nipping at your heels to the competition at the office or something. And so you're, you know, one minute you're thinking of quitting the next minute you, you, oh, I have to stay. And here's all the reasons why I have to stay, and, you know, you're waffling back and forth every day and your misery. Well, guess what, right? This has your amygdala spinning. Your amygdala is lit up. So, again, prefrontal cortex not lit up. And so, every day you're driving into work, like, oh, is Marcy going to be a pain in my ass today? And oh, my God, I didn't finish this thing. And I have a presentation. I'm so nervous. And if it doesn't go well, this is going to happen. Rah! Spinning, spinning. You are going crazy, right? You're not thinking rationally. You're not. So, you can't even identify in that whole thing I just said. What is the problem? What is the problem? So when you stop and ask, what's the actual problem here, (laughs) and you engage your prefrontal cortex... You might get something different. You, when you're defining the problem, you get clear on the facts without, you know, all your opinions, your worries, your judgments, your anxiety getting in the way. And that makes the path forward more clear. So even in that scenario I just gave of you spinning at work, you might just notice, Oh my gosh, my actual problem is my anxiety. So it's not about quitting my job or staying in my job. It's about doing work on my anxiety. I got to make an appointment with a therapist. I have to start DBT. I maybe should look at getting on medication or taking the medication I already am or maybe I'm noticing I am or I am taking medication but it's not working now. I don't know. Or I have to st- take a yoga class or I, you know you you start to that's the problem. Look how the solutions all of a sudden are there, right? Which we'll get to in in a minute. But do you see what I mean? Or maybe you realize the problem you sit and you're thinking rationally, like, wow, the real problem is that if I really think about it, is that I do not do well with the way my boss manages me. That's my real problem. Like the rest of it is the rest of it. But I need, you know, different kinds of feedback. Or I, again, that we're getting into the brainstorming, which I'll get to in a minute. But do you see what happens when you identify what the real problem is? There's a, a clearer path forward, but when you're just spinning about all the problems, it, it it becomes a problem. And I always want you, when you're spinning on something like that, I want you to do your best to be as specific as possible. So you know, oh, I'm I'm so fat, I'm overweight. This is terrible. Oh, I don't know what to, you know, and you're just lost in the misery of it. As opposed, to, instead of saying I'm too fat, I want you to say, okay, I'm, I've I've currently got 12 pounds to lose, right? That's that's what I have to lose, coincidentally. <laughs> From the weight I gained during the pandemic, I still have 12 to go. <sighs> I know. It's a pain in the ass. Okay. Or it's in my ass. I don't know how you want to say that. Anyway, I know. Does anybody else gain weight in like one place? What is that about? I used to gain weight different places. Now, I don't know. Anyway, so, but do you see how specific that is? I, I'm currently 12 pounds over my goal weight versus, oh, I'm so fat or... I'm such a pig or I'm too big or whatever. Um, if, you, if you're if you late for work a lot, you know, you can say, oh, I'm always late for work. Instead of really tracking it, you can go, okay, in the last two weeks, last week I was late twice and this week I was late once. Okay, I, I've been late three times for work in the last two weeks, right? My partner is an asshole. <laughs> Yesterday, my partner said X and that hurt my feelings. Do You see, I, so I want you to get as specific as possible. We're talking about defining the problem. I always think of a uh, um, there used to be this show. Uh, I think it was why Five O back in the day. Not the new one. Not the reboot. The old one. It was like just the facts. Just the facts, bam. Joe Friday, Agent Friday. Who knows? Let me know. <laughs> Send me an email. What show is that? If you're as old as me. <sighs> anyway, so that's first. You define. So this we're still in option one. Def- solving the problem first step is you define the problem the second thing is the second step of problem solving is to evaluate the problem to honestly evaluate the problem and the big question here that i always ask myself is and i want you to ask yourself is am i in a position to influence or or to change this particular situation okay because if you're as you so you define a problem Maybe it's that your boss is a problem, or you don't like how your boss is is bossing you. Your next thing is, am I in a position to influence that or change that in any way? Because that's an important question to ask. And or if you've decided that you're, I don't know, if if you're just up night because up nights because your dad has diabetes and he won't eat well and you're terrified of losing him and he keeps eating like crap. And, you know, you have to like, so you can define that problem, right? My dad is a diabetic and he's consistently eating, you know, he's maybe even had a diabetic coma recently, or he's, his sugars are always crazy. He's had to have a foot amputated, right? These are the facts. But then you have to ask yourself, can I change this? Is there anything I can do here? Do I have influence? And you likely don't. That's the problem with something like that. Now with your boss, you likely do right? You you have some kind of influence or some way that you could maybe change the situation. And maybe with your dad, you do have influence. I remember, you know, when my mom was alive and she was living in Florida and I live here in California in the United States, um, she was doing all kinds of crazy crap down there. And uh, I was like the, in charge of her, you know, so to speak, as far as like paying all her bills. I had the power of attorney. I was doing all the things. Um, and it was really hard cuz i was far away and i couldn't control her and she refused to move i could not make her move i could not make this woman move close to me so she's 3000 miles away 3 hour time difference all the time i have no family that's down you know my brothers are in new york my my uh, my sisters down out here in california also um i got nobody right there so you know You have to to think, okay, this is a problem. What do I do? Like, you know, you get into this, right? You you evaluate, do I have power here? And I, I could not make my mother do anything, right? But it doesn't mean I didn't have power or influence to help her situation maybe I'll, I'll try to remember to come back to this example as we as we move on. And even by the way, with her, I remember getting her to wear one of those um, kind of alert bracelets things. It, it ended up being a necklace she wore. There was this alert thing that she could press if she was in trouble because um, at that point she was in her late eighties and, you know, anyway, and she was living alone. And I used Jewish guilt. I did. I And I have no shame about it at all. I just said to her, do this for me. My mother was a very prideful woman. She did not want to admit any kind of weakness whatsoever. She was young and groovy till the day she died, as far as she was concerned. And so I said, you know, hey, I live far away. I'm really worried about you. Would you do this for me? For me? I just guilted her into it. And she did. Like, I gave her an out to not feel like it was her wanting to do it, wanting to help, it was me and I was doing it for her, she was doing it for me. And so that worked, you know? So sometimes you can be sneaky like me and manipulative. <laughs> I didn't say I was healthy all the time. Um, and uh you can get, you know what I mean? So, but you have to think of this honestly, evaluate the problem. Do I have influence here? Can I make a change? And if the answer is no, by the way, if there's really not anything you can do in a particular situation... If you're not in a position to change or influence the thing, then it might be a good idea to move on to one of the other choices. So don't stick with this choice. You cannot, uh, you know, there's four choices for solving a problem and and solving it isn't one of them, right? You know, in this direct way, you have to use something else. But let's say for argument, because I want to finish this section that you did say, yes, I do have some ability to influence or change the situation. Then you'd move on to step three of the, again, not another option. This is just step three of the problem solving where you'd brainstorm all the possible next steps you could take and then decide on one, maybe two of them, right? One, maybe two. Uh, I, I like one. So you just, okay, these are the steps. So when you're brainstorming, you'd want to try to really, uh, objectively identify any reasons behind the problem you're having, you know, um, Oh gosh, I just had just had a client who's who's very upset with her husband. Uh, There's all this stuff going on, and I said to her, "You know, you guys—they have a a nine-month-old at home." I said, "You have a nine-month-old baby at home." He had just started a new job. He had changed jobs. um, I think when the baby was one month, or maybe right before the baby—I mean, crazy—and they were uh, remodeling. Their, her parents lived two doors down and were very elderly. That's why they live so close. And they were remodeling her parents' house. And they were like, she and her husband were in charge of the remodel. I mean, it, I was like, are you kidding me? Of course you're fine. you know. So uh, we always say consider the who, what, when, and where, right? Consider the who, what, when, and where of the behavior you want to change. All right. And then finally... In step four of that, so you define the problem, you evaluate the problem, you brainstorm solutions, and then you you know you try it out. You you try it. You try whatever you decided on. You give those ideas a, a go, and then you want to continuously evaluate your results. And if it's not working, you either can you try one of the other solutions you brainstormed, or does this solution simply need to be tweaked? Um, to be more effective? Do you need to troubleshoot differently to figure out how this could create, you know, a lasting solution to here, right? That's that's it. That that's that's what you do. So that's solving the problem. And I just I'll give a shout out to I did a, a episode a long time ago, which again I'll link to, or you can search by title. So I'm gonna give you the title right now, which is uh the um it's the five steps for making decisions and getting out of paralysis, analysis paralysis. So, I, I have a you know, how you get into analysis paralysis with things. So, I have a five step little thing I did a long time ago for that. You can go look that up, or it'll be linked in the show notes or on the blog post page, which is under relationship tips and tools on the website. And while you're at the website, if you're not signed up for my weekly love letter yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's right there in the drop down menus, there's all the little tabs um on the tabs on the top or the drop down if you're on your iPhone or your phone. Um it says weekly love letter. You just put in your email and boom, you'll get it every Wednesday and uh it's just inspiration, that's all. I'm not selling you anything. It's not sleazy. If you don't know me by now, I'm not sure what to say to you, but it is meant to inspire and help you and people really 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 like the newsletter. So the the love letter. It's not a newsletter. It's a love letter because there's no news. <laughs> there's no news, people. Um I am coming out with my new book soon, and people who are on that list will get a, a discount coupon for that. No doubt. Um, that is what I do if I have a new product or something, or you know, I, I'll send out around the holidays, I send out a 20% off gift certificate to my website or things like that. So if you're on there, you'll get that, you know. Um, but it's really not meant for that. You know, it's just that's just meant for extra love. It's really about me trying to help you live a happier, healthier life and having a little inspiration during the week to help you do that. Okay. So that was choice one, solving the problem with the little four steps I gave you. Choice two is to feel better by changing your perception of the problem. Because like we just said, sometimes you can't solve the problem, right? So you're going to go to one of these other choices. Sometimes you can't, you know, make the changes you want or, or that you feel like you need Maybe you're just not willing to make certain changes right now, or maybe you can't see a path where you have the power to make the changes that you're wanting to make, that you desire. So in these situations, another choice is to change your perception or the way you think about the problem or obstacle that you're facing. And over what? Over 2,000 years ago, uh, Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, who I talk about all the time because I love my Stoics. You know I love my stoics. Uh Aurelius said, if you don't quote me exactly, but I think I have it. If you're distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. One of my very I there's a million quotes by, you know, Seneca, Aurelius, all the stoics that I love, but that one is one of my favorites. Um So I I I, I want you to think about that, right? So you're by If you are distressed by anything external, the pain isn't due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it. Oh, I forgot the rest of it. And this, you have the power to revoke at any moment. I know. I know. That's some heavy shit right there. I know. I just laid it down. I laid it down. Are you going to pick it up? That's the question. So I have done quite a few episodes on this particular choice on uh, changing your perceptions. So I'm not going to go really deep on it now. I'll say a few words right now, but I'm not going to go really, you know, into it. I have an episode that I think is one of my best episodes, which is how to stop overthinking and let things go that bother you. Um, where I go deep on this, okay, deep on this. So again, you can choose, you can hunt by that, or you can just go over. Well, I'll link to it. But one of, and it, it covers cognitive reframing. And that is, it's one of the best ways to change your perception in any given situation is this technique called cognitive reframing. It is a fundamental underpinning of cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. Um, I know we have a lot. We have DBT, CBT, we got all kinds of things today, but cognitive behavioral therapy is basically what all therapists use to help you feel better. i, I It's really the underpinning of all of it. Um... And it, by the way, and if you like cognitive reframing, if you do like that, if you if you you know like what I'm about to talk about, you can go to that one. I also did another episode called "Change How You Feel with This One Easy Tool," where I use something called Rational Emotive Therapy, which is very close to this RET. Um, I mean, I, and again, they're they're granular. I get down to here's exactly what you have to do exactly. So, I highly recommend. Okay. So at its most basic level, I would say that cognitive reframing helps you, it helps you look at um, a situation, a person, a thought, a feeling from a different perspective. It's a strategy that really helps you open your mindset to a, a new point of view, a new angle on what's happening so you can think differently about it and learn how to let things go or learn how to shift what you how you see it. And it's crucial because, why? What do I always say? Because you feel the way you think. You feel the way you think. So changing your thinking about something will 100% change your feelings about it. I can't tell you how many people are like, I just have to change my feelings, just have to change my feelings. I'm like, you're not going to do that until you change your thoughts. I mean, you can change your feelings a little bit by... you know, obviously, if you meditated or did something to calm your nervous system or took some deep breaths, you can, but really, what you're also doing, you know, you're changing your physical feelings in your body and your reactions. But what you're really doing is allowing your thoughts not to be swirling and to, you know, take hold to some positive or constructive, helpful thoughts. So the thoughts you think and the subsequent emotions that you feel are always really always rooted in in you know old negative patterns that you've likely had since childhood. I, that's generally how it goes. And these ways of thinking and coping i i have no doubt served you in some way then, but they definitely don't serve you now. Not if you're listening to me cuz you're trying to figure this out. So and you've heard me say many times before like uh, that You know, life is happening for you, not to you. And that is a great example of a cognitive reframe, right? That I, that's probably my, my favorite one. Um, Thinking of problems as challenges as not a problem is another cognitive reframe. So some reframes are easy, some are harder, and I outline, I have a five-step process for cognitive reframing, and it's in that episode I just said. So go back and listen to that if this is something you want to get really great at and really practice. I think that this is the episode I send to my clients almost more than anything else. for them to practice, you know, we we talk about it in session, and then I I send this so that
0: they can really get in the nitty gritty. Um, okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello
1: in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So that's choice two. So choice one was solve the problem. Choice two is, is uh, uh, change your perception. Change how you feel by changing your perception uh, about the problem. And three is this practice radical acceptance. And this is not a topic I've really ever done before, other than very passing comments on it. And a lot of you have written in asking me to please do an episode on radical acceptance. And I thought of that, but then I was thinking of deep, you know, this is, <laughs> this is what happens when I'm doing an episode for you. I'm like, okay, people wrote in, this is what they want. How do I feel about that? Is that something I want to do? Am I interested? And I realized I thought, and then, so then I was like, okay, maybe. And so I start looking up, you know, what I know about, I start writing down what I know about radical acceptance, which drove me. I was like, oh yeah, Tara Brock wrote that, but I haven't read that in a while. Oh, and of course it's all over DBT. Oh, let me, maybe I'll talk about DBT. I mean, this is what happens. And then I'm like, oh, why don't I just, why don't I just frame this in solving a problem? Why don't I put it where it was originally intended or where it was originally was as far as, you know, this this part goes. Um, so that's why that's how we got to today's broadcast. <laughs> that's why it's not just called radical acceptance. How to do it? It's it's really putting it into something else, which I hope is more useful to um, all of you. Okay, so radical acceptance. What what the fuck is it, Abby? What what is radical acceptance? Rad- your and this is so. This is choice three. This is your next choice is to radically accept a situation. And I I again I'm I want to say this really well. So so much of our unhappiness comes from not accepting what is. I I can't tell you how much time I spend with people on this issue. So yep, you you know, you didn't go to college. Yep. Oh, I should have gone to college. I never got my degree. Yep, you're right, you didn't go. Uh yep, you said something to your dad that upset him. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yep. You never found peace in the relationship with your mom and now she's dead. Yep. These are all true I, I there's no arguing against these things but when we regret And, you know, regret the decisions or regret what we've done. And we push back against things that absolutely cannot be changed. You're 50 years old. You can't be 20 and go to college. You could go to college now if this is bothering you enough. But no, you can't go back and redo your whole career with a college education at the other side. You can't do it. No, you can't go back and redo your entire relationship with your mother from the time you're 15. You can't do it. Like, I don't know what to say. You can't do it. And what, again, like when I think about my heroin addiction and how, you know, it is completely reframed in my mind. I used to regret all the time. If I told you how, every, anybody who's an addict right now who's listening, who has a problem with drugs or alcohol, every single one of you who are listening right now will know what this is. You've sat and you've added up all the money you would have if you had never been an addict. I know you're doing it right now. You're laughing. You're laughing out loud right now. And I want you to send me an email about how right on I was with this. We all do it because we all do it. We're all, I used to spend, I spent years doing this in my early sobriety. Oh my gosh. If I just, you know, not, you know, uh, crashed and burned when I got to college. And I mean, I did graduate and I did figure it out, but you know, I had to move countries. I, you know, it's like the the people I, cra- I burned, the the shameful things I did, the money I wasted, the time, right? Oh, all the waste, all the waste. And you can just live there. It's very easy to live there. And what I always say is, obviously, I don't wish, like, I don't look back and go, oh, I'm so happy I was a heroin addict. I, I'm not... Like that, I think that's a little delusional, <laughs> um, or maybe not. If you think that way, God bless you. Uh, it's good, but I don't. I I but I I'm very at peace with the fact that I am. Like I'm very. I get that I would not probably be talking to you right now if I hadn't gone through that experience and then had all the dominoes that fell after that. The dominoes I didn't like and the dominoes I did. It is what it is. I might not have my children. Like these two most important people in my whole, whole life, because I would have had such a different track in my life. So my, my kids, I wouldn't have met their dad. I, I, I don't know how that would have happened. You know, I guess it could have, you could say, oh, they would have always been your kids. I don't believe that. I think I would have been in a complete, I was going to be a lawyer. I have a bachelor's in poli sci. You know, I was on a totally different track. I wasn't planning to ever leave uh, New York, you know, and certainly not for California. Come on. You know, like none of that was going to happen. And so it's really important to, you know, I, that's how I think about it, and that's how I'm at peace with it. But it doesn't mean that i I'm happy about it, like that I think I'm happy I have my children and I'm happy in my life today, and I'm happy in all these kinds of things, but I'm not like happy about that part of my history. Does that make sense? okay so so I don't regret it. I don't push back against it because these things can't be changed. You know, and when we do do that, we put ourselves in a state of hopelessness, of helplessness, of misery. It's it's really like raging against the machine in like the penultimate form of doing that, and it's exhausting because fighting reality is draining work when you refuse to accept that you were unfairly. Passed over for that promotion, or that your partner cheated on you, or that your parents always take your brother's side—you're the one who suffers the most. You're the one. You're enhancing your pain. You're extending your pain. You're exacerbating your pain. So, and radical acceptance—I know that there's some more recent books on it, but radical radical acceptance uh, has been around a really long time, millennia. It, It be and at its core it's based on the idea that suffering doesn't come from the pain in a situation. It comes from your attachment to the pain. Okay, So the Stoics I just mentioned of ancient Greece, they built their whole philosophy on it. Uh, if you're Buddhist or know Buddhism, it's a major tenet of Buddhism is non-attachment and talking about attachment. Carl Rogers, who's one of the forefathers of modern psychology, the uh, started what's called the humanistic movement in psychology, or believed to be the father of that. Uh, He said that he believed that acceptance is the first step towards change. He he said, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. That's a very famous thing he said. Um, Carl Jung, hello, who doesn't know Jung, he very famously said that what you resist not only persists but will grow in size, right? That's where we get, you know, what you resist persists from. And that's where radical acceptance comes from. With radical, radical acceptance with, you know, the whole you're not attached to painful events from your past. There's that non-attachment. You stop judging what's happened so you can accept reality for what it is instead of being caught up in an emotional reaction to it. Radical acceptance means you you accept the situations and the people that are outside of your control without judgment, and that will help ease the suffering you believe is caused by those people or situations. When you're in radical acceptance, you completely, wholeheartedly, with every fiber of your being, accept what's real and it's like surrendering in a good way, not in a defeated way. It now it doesn't mean you agree with something that's happened or that you think it's okay. It doesn't mean you condone someone's unhealthy behavior or that or that I don't want you to put up with abuse or anything like that. I'm not, it's not what I'm saying. It means you stop resisting what is, what is a fact. It means you're now looking at your situation without judging yourself. Or the other person you're you're clearly seeing what's going on with no denial no self hate It's from this clearer perspective that you can ultimately either take action, go back to one you know and actually solve the problem or find peace that that's how it happens so it's there's no more self pitying why me uh this is so unfair. Uh, no poor me attitude that goes away radical acceptance means you see what it is at, you know at least for now like this is what it is right now maybe i don't want it forever but this is what it is and marsha linehan who i've been talking about the founder of dbt she said that radical self accept radical acceptance is letting go of what isn't possible that's how she says it and she says that she says radical acceptance rests on letting go of the illusion of control and a willingness to notice and accept things as they are right now without judging, without judgment. And she breaks down radical acceptance into three parts. She says it's one, accepting reality, you know, it is what it is. She says that a lot, it is what it is. Two is accepting that the event or situation causing pain has a has a cause. There's something there. And three, Accepting life can be worth. You want to accept that life can be worth living, even with painful events, right? So, if you're looking to practice radical self radical acceptance, I keep saying self acceptance. Sorry, it's just called radical acceptance. Because um, really, not just about self, it's accepting. If you're looking to practice it, you can definitely pay attention to a few things. One is notice how much you judge yourself or others. Basically, anytime you think something is right or wrong or you have an opinion, which is thinking something is right or wrong, it's a judgment. So that's not acceptance. That is not radical so That's not radical acceptance. Getting rid of should or must or it's not fair um, or why me or really ever wishing something was different is not radical acceptance. So you want to watch all that language. And really the best thing you can do, which I preach all the friggin' time, is t- being present in your moments and practicing true mindfulness. And once again, if you haven't gotten my free, did I say it's free? It's free, Mindfulness Starter Kit. I don't know what you're waiting on. It's on the shop page of the website. You do not need to pay any money. You do not, do not t- need to put in credit card information, anything else. It's truly free. Once again, I don't do anything sleazy. Um, you really want to download that and start practicing. So, but another tool, because I'm throwing lots in here with radical acceptance, is uh, something called, uh, uh, it's really effective too. And I've actually been mentioning these quite a few times throughout the podcast, but are coping, they're called coping statements. That's a really effective tool that's part of radical acceptance and coping statements are all about reminding you that there are things you just can't change. They're little, you know, little mantras that you would say in your head, reminding yourself that, you know, there's things you can't change. And in that way, you accept the reality of what is, and you're letting go of judging, regretful, anxious negative thoughts about, you know, a particular person or a situation. And this is something I gotta tell you that in the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. We, we use a lot when you're in those meetings, and I'll tell you, this is like our main thing. We have a shortened version of the serenity prayer that we say all the friggin' time. Every single meeting you go to, every single one, it'll get said at least once. And it's God, you know, the shortened version is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, cur- courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We say it all the time. You try that. That's a good one. Um, another little mantra you might have or a coping statement is, you know, I'm okay here in the present moment. Uh, the only thing I can control is this moment. That's a good one to know. That is your only control is in the moment. Um, everything is as it should be right now. That's a coping statement. Um, I can't change the past. I can only live in the now. Everything is figure outable. Regret isn't helpful. That's a coping statement. Uh, The thought I'm having might be true, but is it helpful or kind? That's a coping statement. And then, of course, my favorite I've already said is life is happening for me, not to me. Right? Life is happening for me, not to me. That's a coping statement. So having a coping statement that really works for you is important. Have it at the ready. Have it on repeat. You know, don't don't get in a situation, and then try to think of one. Think of them now. Use one of mine. Make up your own. But when you're in those situations, you really want to be able to um, have it right there, like as an automatic response, and it'll really help you with acceptance in a moment. Okay. So those are your first three choices. You solve the problem. You change your perception. Right. Uh, change how you're feeling by changing your perception. And you have radical acceptance. And choice number four is to stay miserable. Nobody likes hearing this when I tell people, I'm like, that's a choice, because you don't wanna believe it's a choice. You don't wanna take responsibility for the choice that you're making. And it is one. If you don't choose one of the other choices I just said, you are by default choosing option four, staying miserable. There's no other ones, there's no option five. I'm just letting you know right now, there's no option five where I get to keep thinking this way, but then it's all great. That does not exist. That is railing against the machine. So there are no other options when it comes to solving a problem. You, You either solve it, you either change how you think about it, or you have radical acceptance of it, or you stay... Fucking miserable, and I know you don't want to make this choice, but it's important to see that you are responsible. And I say this with so much love. You know I do. I'm not blaming you. I'm not. This isn't about shame or anything else. Please, if you're going there, get off there. You know that's not where I go. But you're you're having a choice to choice of staying miserable is one of the choices. I'm, and again, you're not to blame for your for. You know, it's not about that, but you absolutely need to take responsibility if you're continuing to be miserable because you're not employing one of the other three options. And so if you can't solve the problem, can't change your perception and don't want to radically accept the situation, then staying miserable is what's left. Now, I do want to say this though. It can be okay too. Maybe you're just not ready to make the changes needed with the other three options, right? Maybe being miserable, but knowing you're making a choice will actually help you feel more empowered. That is what I have found over time when I've worked with clients and they're staying miserable. I'm like, then feel empowered by that because you're choosing it. You you don't need to beat yourself up about it. You don't need to to judge yourself. In fact, you could even employ a little self-compassion right here. Uh, and know that th- this is just where you are right now. You're you're just, maybe you're too exhausted today to, to go solve a problem or be radically accepting or whatever. Maybe you've come so far in your work um, and done other work and you just can't quite get to this last place, you know? So if you do choose this option, I want you to make it useful and helpful. Do your best to continue practicing your self-awareness, to practice your mindfulness. Try to make a really honest evaluation of how you're feeling day to day. You can do that. Are you making things worse with this choice? What are your thoughts about the situation that's happening, this problem? How are you acting from those thoughts and emotions? These are all things that you could be asking yourself to help you uh, shift and move a little bit, right? Because wouldn't that be really great? You know, so it doesn't have to be that staying miserable is, you know, oh, I'm just a screw up, I'm the worst person ever. I I, obviously I would never want you to go there. And again, not helpful. But sometimes, you know, we wallow a little and it's okay. I've wallowed. I've had days where I'm like, I don't care. I know it's best to do this other thing, but I'm not doing it. And because this is the best I can do right in this friggin' moment. And but if you can if I can just do that and say to myself, "I, I understand I have other options, and I'm choosing this one because uh, this is the best I can do in this very moment of time," then that again can be very empowering. And from there, I, if I give myself maybe a little self compassion, a little bit of a break, a little self love, I can then move on to uh, trying to change my perception or you know trying to uh, solve the problem or something else. So that's it. How do you like that? You know, I'll link some other resources. There's a really good, um, DBT skills training manual that of course I have, and you might want to get, if you're really interested in DBT, um, or finding a DBT therapist in your area, someone who's, um, Certified in that. I'm not. I don't pretend it's my lane. I don't, I use a lot of the stuff, but if someone's coming strictly for DBT, I send them to wonderful people that I know. I, I, I refer them out. I employ these things, but is not, you know, there's DBT is huge. It's a whole thing, like I said, with the, it's not just this how to solve a problem. I just, stole this one part that I like to use a lot. And obviously, I have mindfulness and other things I use that are very similar. So a lot of my clients do really well with DBT because a lot of what I'm already teaching, they just need something much more specific. They need to really do that skills training, um, and that works even better for them. Uh, there's this very famous book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, which um, she's a PhD too, as, as I recall, but it's it's the Buddhist angle um I think it's like Embracing the Heart of the Buddha or something is what the subtitle is. It's something like that. Um, You might want to read that, go that way. You know, there's different entries. You might read the Stoics. You might, you know, there's a lot of places you could go to get some of this information that might feel different for you. Woo. I think that was kind of a good one. I'm sort of excited about that one. I, uh, I really appreciate you writing in and giving me ideas of what to cover because it helps me like this. It really helped me. I think come up with something. I always learn when I'm doing these. I remember things I'm like, oh yeah, and there's this and this, and it helps me always in my practice with my clients, making sure I'm really up to date with all the things I'm doing and the information. And I love to research and see if there's new things out there that I haven't learned yet, and um, or I don't know well yet enough to teach, and I want to teach. So, so thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so so happy you're here with me here in season six. I'm uh, the I've had the book first draft back from the editor by the time you're listening to this. And um, actually, by the time you're listening to this, it should be back with the next draft for sure. Um, So I'm really hoping by November, we have the book out on on boundaries. My boundaries made easy book is out. And uh, I'm excited. It's really chock full of everything you're going to need to be happy. So (sighs) I love you. If no one told you this week, Have a just amazing week. Really try to practice these tools and um, let me know how you're doing. All right, see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is gonna help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just wanna say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you, anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I wanna say is if you like the podcast, you're gonna go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.